It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Good morning. Good evening, everyone. Join us for the evening service of the Pineville Grace Fellowship. And uh, welcome aboard, John. I see you just joined us. And tonight we're going to be talking about reconciliation and forgiveness. And it's something we definitely need, I definitely need to spend a lot of time on. Um, we all have our disagreements, and we all have our frustration, and <laughs> it's an ongoing thing if we're living in, if we continue to live in this fallen world. Um, you're welcome, uh, John. Um, we're never going to see everything alike. We're never going to, we're never going to perfectly uh translate or interpret the scriptures exactly like alike. Uh, we all have our differences. There is a, a place where we, we have to draw the line, though, and that is if we feel that somebody is starting to uh, perpetrate something that is contrary to scripture, uh, we are to stand up for the truth, and that's the, that's the tricky part, is how to do it in love. Um, I looked up the word reconcile, and of course, that reconciliation is reconciliation to God and reconciliation to with each other. And it says to reconcile is to restore to friendship and harmony. To restore to friendship and harmony. I, had a really wonderful two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour talk yesterday with Walt Stickle, and I thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed that uh, fellowship. There's different people that we uh, have had differences with that we reconcile with, you know. I've had I've had differences with Michael Smith on on doctrinal issues, still do, but we still respect each other. And we honor each other, and we have friendship. You know, I've had uh, differences with a number of people. So, but anyway, I'm going to have Mark read some scripture, and then we're going to sing a couple of three songs, and then we're going to start the broadcast right around six o'clock, as far as getting into our study. Go ahead, Mark. Mark fourteen six through fifty four. Jesus said, Let her alone, the wife shall we eat her. She hath brought a good work on me. For ye have borne with you always, and whensoever ye will. Ye may good as good, but me ye have not always. <laughs> she done what she could. She's done beforehand, to join my box and bury 
morning. Early I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be done, throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of the world born of a birth. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and elders of the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even to the palace, the high priest, and he sat with the servants, warmed himself to fire. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> well, um, well, that lady got a lot of a lot of uh, opposition for what she had done to Christ, but Christ upheld her <laughs> in what she had done. Here we are still talking about it today. The first uh, song that's been selected by Mark is 360 in the old school hymnal. And Mark, if you want to uh, lead that for us, that would be good. You said 360. 360. Get not a tear or your friends early by when I am gone, when I am gone. Smile when the swelling bell you shall hear. When I am gone, I am gone. Leave not for me as you stand around my grave. Think who has died is beloved to say. Think of the crown all the ransom shall wear. When I am gone, I am gone. Shed not a tear as you all kneel in prayer. When I am gone, when I am gone, sing a sweet song when my grave you shall see. When I am gone, I am gone, sing to the Lamb who on earth once was slain. Sing to the Lamb who in heaven that reigns. Sing till the earth shall be filled with his name. When I am gone, I am gone. Plant you a rose that shall bloom o'er my grave. When I am gone, when I am gone. Sing a sweet song such as angels may have. When I am gone, I am gone. Praise ye the Lord that I freed from all care. Praise the Lord that my joys you shall share. Look up on high and believe out there. When I'm gone, I'm gone. Okay, Rosette would like to sing Psalm 2, page 2 out of the Psalter. Mark, you want to start that? Why do not even race? Why do people folly mine? Kings of earth in plots and gates, rulers are in the combined. But it's a war and against Messiah's sway, let us break their backs, they cry. Let 
let us cast their cords away. But the Lord will storm them all. He will laugh who sits on high. And his wrath will mock on his ball. Sore displeased he will reply. Yes, according to my will, I have set my king to reign. And on Zion's holy hill, my anointed I'll maintain. His decree I will recount. Unto me the Lord did say, Thou art my beloved son, I begotten thee this day. Ask me and be amen, heirs to earth and nations all. And with iron thou shalt break, dashing them in pieces small. Therefore, kings be wise to bear, hearken judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with godly fear, mingle, tremble with your mirth. Kiss the sun his wrath to turn, lest he perish in the way, for his anger soon will burn. Well, the last one I want to sing before we go over to the other part of our service is uh, this 398. Seems like when you see things going on around you that are despicable and that are Satan, we find ourselves thinking on eternal things. I am going to a city where the streets of gold are laid, where the tree of life is blooming, and the roses never fade. Here they bloom but for a season. Soon their beauty is decayed. I am going to the city where the roses never fade. In this world we have our troubles. Satan's journey must be made. We'll be free from all temptation. Where the roses never fade, love once gone to be with Jesus. In their robes of white array, thou art waiting for my coming. Where the roses never fade, here they bloom before I see. Soon their beauty is decayed. I am going to the city where the roses never fade. Well, I want to uh, I want to remind uh, this will be on sermon audio in a couple hours, and it's also going to be on Facebook. So I'll make some announcements so people can hear this. Uh, we're going to be having a special. Uh, talk to you on Monday night, and Edward Henry has agreed that I could 
interview him regarding his book entitled 9-11, Enemies Born and Domestic. And I've sent out everyone the questions that I had for Ed to cover on that. Uh, he sets forth in this book that there's very strong evidence that the ones behind the 9-11 was the Mossad, which is equal to our CIA, it's Israel CIA, Mossad. And also, uh, I'm going to have to go over the evidence and also talk about a concept that he talks about in the book, Directed Energy. And also, I want to talk to him about the real core of the conspiracy and the fact that is Iran the next 9-11? And I also want to talk about the spiritual implications of all of this, which is the most important part of the whole interview that will take place. That will be Monday night at 6 o'clock. And you all are welcome to go online. And if you put in 9-11 images of foreign and domestic, I think this is even available on Kindle. So you can get it for like three ninety five. You could you could read through the book and if you have any questions, it's gonna be an open forum. So anyone can uh, ask it uh questions in regards to this book or his thoughts about it and so on. Uh, <clears throat> so feel free to uh to join us on that. Just a couple minutes until six, uh so I, I'm not gonna to get too much of the meat pages of our talk tonight or subject of genius. Forgiveness and reconciliation, uh, all the way through the Gospels, through the Epistles of Paul, we have examples of forgiveness and how to be reconciled for our brothers and so on. Uh, now, it takes two to reconcile. It actually takes, takes three to be reconciled with Christ as our our Master, because speaking of reconciliation amongst the elect, we have to have the Holy Spirit and we have to have two parties that God has brought to the willingness to reconcile. One person might want to reconcile with all of his heart, but if the other person uh, is unwilling to reconcile, um, then that shows that it's, it's God's will that, that he be not reconciled Okay. Only God can cause often hearts and cause people to reconcile. And that's also, uh, there's a song. Uh, now I want to welcome, I want to welcome guest three who's just joined us. And oftentimes, I, when Andrew Brown joins us from Wichita, Kansas, often I don't get his emails until after because I don't jump around on my screen and go to my emails while I'm trying to talk. So I, I learn at the end of the uh, talk to what number guest Andrew Brown is because it doesn't show up on our, on our chat. So if this is Andrew Brown, Andrew, welcome. Um, anyway, uh, Charles Wesley wrote a song called My God is Reconciled. And the problem with that is that <clears throat> We need to be reconciled to God. God doesn't need to be reconciled to us. Okay. Now, I like 
part of the verse it says, My God is reconciled, his pardoning voice I hear. He loved me as a child, I will no longer fear. That's all good. But understand that a lot of times, you know, I mean, it's get it backwards, okay? We're the ones that need to be reconciled to God, okay? And God provided reconciliation that is restored, you know, a harmony. Now, the problem with that term is that it sets forth the presupposition that at one time we were already reconciled to God, but we wasn't. We weren't. <laughs> we were born and conceived in sin. And so we needed more than just reconciliation. We needed to be born again by the Spirit of God. Okay. And so we really needed substitution. Okay. We needed uh, a perfect sacrifice. And we found that sacrifice in Jesus Christ at the cross. So even though we were chosen in him from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, uh, we received new life. And then we were granted everything else, including faith, repentance, Version and so on. But how does that equate to our relationship with others? You know, when you're, if you ever, uh, any of you on this call or anyone listening later on around the world ever decide to have a uh, broadcast where you have a podcast and you have a number of people on, uh, you will see what it's like to moderate. When you have 11, 10, 11, 12, 15 people, it's, <laughs> it's not the easiest task in the world. Because everyone on there has certain presuppositions that they hold, and it's just our nature that we want to set forth what we believe. I've often shared with people no one sets out to set forth an argument that they don't believe in. Now, sometimes in college, we're asked to take a different side of the issue. And, you know, we're asked to play the devil's advocate, whatever you want to call it. But uh, in reality, we can never be as effective in argumentation unless we believe it. Okay? There's scripture that says, I believe, therefore I've spoken. Okay. If we didn't believe something, how could we set about to defend it, to argue effectively about it? Scripture tells us to be ready to give an answer to every man of the truth that lies within us. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So that is something that is not an easy task, and I think we're living, I was talking to Walt yesterday, and he was talking about how that many of us are are uh, um, we're living in a time where it's, it's like our teeth are set on edge. <laughs> okay, Scripture says that many will be offended for my name's sake, and the reality of it is 
there's a lot of contention, there's a lot of strife amongst Christians. It could be over ridiculously small things, or it could be over very significant doctrinal things. I mean, it could be over the color of the carpet you have in your church, or the kind of color of the choir robes, or it could be over uh, the doctrine of uh, election and predestination, or it could be over the doctrine of uh, baptism, or the church, or uh, the bride of Christ, or your eschatology, whatever. Okay, it could be over those things. So that's something that uh, I think we have to uh, take into consideration as we we get into the subject. Um, now, I was thinking Kevin was going to be with us tonight in Mark, but uh, they haven't shown up yet, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about in regards to the subject, and that is right now the Southern Baptist Convention, 18 million members, have elected a new president. His name is Greer. And I, I've been listening to this. Uh, he has taken a position that if it comes to loving someone or holding on to the doctrine of marriage against homosexuality, that love supersedes all. That's a very, very continuous position to put the Southern Baptist Church. In fact, he makes a speech about this. And he says, we, we hold on, we cling to those who are in different lifestyles and we love them regardless of what they believe. <clears throat> well, that is a half-truth because we do not, um, you know, the Bible says, love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you and spitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you and so on. But Greer has the attitude that you can win somebody over by not uh, preaching the truth of the, of the Bible. In other words, just giving it a pass. And we can never do that. You know, I invite a lot of people, a lot of you know, this way, a lot of people have asked to be my friends on social media. And I don't go in and check out all their doctrine. I don't have front door discipline. Or I make someone my friend, or I accept someone as my friend. But I don't stop preaching the truth of the Bible regarding uh, all of the truths that are contained in the Bible, including election, predestination, uh, total depravity, unconditional uh, election, particular redemption, final perseverance of the saints. And I speak against homosexuality. In fact, I placed my book on that, based on uh, social media today about the case, both versus the state of Missouri. Now, I may catch a lot of black for doing that. So, anyway, we'll see what, what occurs with that. Anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about this because you have split pretty much in the Southern Baptist movement. You've got, well, uh, it's not really a split down the middle because 
they have 18 million people in their membership, and 68% uh, of them voted for, or 12 million voted for Greer, and then the rest, 6 million, voted for someone else. They have 6 million people that don't go along with Greer. Okay? Now, I'm sure Greer has other things that 6 million people may agree with or may not agree with. I'm not sure it's all over just that particular issue. But um, the question that I have is, where do we draw the line in our relationships? Uh, I've had people that have wanted to get into debating with me on Facebook. I don't think that's the place to do that. If somebody wants to talk to me about my position on something, they can email me personally, and we can deal with it. I don't believe in endless uh, disputations. I don't think it's proper. Uh, in my younger years, I would have gone on and on and on with you, thinking I could win you over by argumentation. Okay? I don't agree with that today. So, so anyway, that's... Uh, that's my thinking about that. And again, there's a lot of people out there that will say something in a public format. And I'm thinking of two or three people as well as myself. They'll say something knowing that it's going to be broadcast publicly. And it uh it by you know by default it offends someone else. And then later it comes back to bite us, so to speak, doesn't it? Okay. And so <clears throat> we all are guilty of it. You know, James says that the tongue is unruly. And uh, so we know that is the case. You know, I have had situations where on the other side of the aisle, uh, I felt like if I had continued to go along with something just for the sheer purpose of getting along, going you've heard that, going along to get along, okay, that I was actually compromising the Bible, that I would, my conscience was being bound, okay, you ever felt that way? I know I have. And it's uh, it's not a pleasant place to be in at all. Because when the majority wants to take one position on something, uh, and then maybe you have 15 people and you've got 13 people that take one position and two that take the minority position, uh, then it can be very, very difficult to have any kind of unity in the matter. And so that's something that I think uh, is also really important. Now, I want everyone to know that I did get an email from Sister Louise, and she requested prayer. She's going through an awful lot. Um, she got the news that her son is going to 
have to go to Afghanistan for some. I think his name is Sam. Uh, he is in the reserves. And I don't know what they're doing with the reserves down to Afghanistan. But anyway, she's really heartbroken over that, you know, and uh, she wants us to remember her in her in our prayers. So let's do that. I also, uh, as a part of this subject, want to share this. Now, the gentleman asked that I not use his last name in a public format, so I won't do that. But he, I won't even use his first name. I'll just say he's a friend of mine from Harris Martins. And I've known him for oh, over two years now, I think around two years. And he has a really unique story in that he, as a very young man, went to Midwest Baptist Theological Seminary in Liberty, Missouri, and in Syria. And it wasn't long until he discovered that he was in the middle because of his beliefs. And he began to bring these beliefs uh, out in the open with his professors and so on. And that's one thing you don't do when you're in college or, un- or graduate school or seminary because automatically the profs, the professors, they are very haughty and proud. They think they know everything. Who are you to question them? They, they're like little gods. And so they began to make uh, my friends, Harris and Arkansas, life very miserable. And over the years, he's kind of gone into a cocoon. And he's very intelligent. He's well-studied. And, um, and he, has to, he has a hard time you know, reaching out because he sees our society and the implications thereof and how our society has gone. You know, in, in all areas, it's gone downhill. And so I had talked to him this week for probably a couple hours on the phone. And, you know, he asked a lot of really revealing questions regarding my thoughts about uh, the Jew question and the rise of um, the propagation and the reinforcement of the state of Israel in the United States. He asked questions about the Bolshevik Revolution and who was behind it. <laughs> and, you know, he pointed out that Trotsky and Stalin were Jews. So, a lot of good questions. He also asked a lot of questions regarding um, the future, what I thought the Bible had to say about prophecy. He made a very important statement. This relates to our our subject about reconciliation and love, um, we know that Christ has a love for some of the Jewish people at all. Evidenced by the fact that Paul was a Jew. No? Abraham was a Jew. Isaac, Jacob. And there are some living today that beyond question, without question, are God's chosen people, are his elect. 
that he's dying for. And so the question is, you know, when will the fulfillment of the Gentiles come in? <laughs> That's the question. A very interesting question. And so the question is, what should be our response to the Jewish people? <clears throat> well, first of all, we must tell them the truth. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. There's no uh there are there's no mediator except for Jesus Christ between God and man. I guess four who's joined us. Who you are guest four, but welcome aboard as well. I miss the uh presence of my friends Kevin and Andrew, I mean, Kevin and Mark Kennedy, whether they're at a meeting or where they're at. Anyway, also, I find it interesting that we have a, with this question of reconciliation, you know, a lot of times people make based on getting everybody's acceptance, okay? And, you know, I'm a former social worker, and I'm not, I'm not for separating families, tearing families apart, but I will say this. Uh, if we're going to, if we're going to make a law that it's illegal, or illegal <laughs> Uh, immigrants to come into this country. My question is, does it have anything to do about the children question? My question is, why do we let them in in the first place? If we have a law on the books to say that this is illegal for people to come here without proper uh, process and just to come over our borders uninvited and that that's illegal activity, my question is, why do you let them in in the first place? And I think I know the answer to that. I think that both the Republicans and the Democrats are playing footsie with voters. They want to increase the voter, the number of voters that vote for them. And, uh, so this goes back to, this is not a question of love. You know, this is a question of whether we're going to abide by the laws that we put on the or not. If we, if we want to do away with the law, if we want to do away with the laws, you know, make different laws. And I, I guess uh, President Trump has signed an executive order saying we will not separate uh, parents from their children at the border if they come across the border. So in other words, what he's saying is we're not going to obey the law. We're going to let them in the country anyway, whether they disobeyed the law or not. That's basically what he's saying. Okay, so it has. It's not that we're unloving. Okay, uh, we can't accommodate uh, the whole world's population. You know, any more than you know. This is a universalist attitude. This is kind of the attitude by liberal theologians that Jesus Christ died to the sins of the whole world. 
Jesus Christ is not going to let everyone into glory. We we sang a song. We used to sing a song when we all get to heaven. What a wonderful day that will be. But according to Scripture, not everybody's going to be in heaven. Those that are going to be in heaven are those who are blood-bought. And that is a decision by Jesus Christ as to who he showers his love and his grace upon. And if we have been a recipient of his love and his grace, shouldn't we be truth-tellers about it? That's, that's another question I have. Shouldn't we be truth-tellers about it? Also, I think there's another aspect of this, that is when you go to uh, an organized church with a sign over the door with a name, whether it's God and Grace Baptist or Reformed Presbyterian or Bible Presbyterian or Trinity Baptist, whatever the name is over the door, okay? Um, there are certain rules of decorum, and there are certain creeds and confessions that generally those denominations adhere to. Now, if you go in and you get to visiting with the minister and you have a disagreement about one of those creeds and confessions, Maybe you even have a disagreement about mother rules of the forum, or maybe uh, whether they use instrumentation or don't use instrumentation, whether they sing the songs exclusively or they sing the hymns, whether they are post-millennial or all-millennial or historicists, okay? Whatever you might come in disagreement with, uh, the reality of it is is the pastor <laughs> and generally that's the problem. There's not a duplicity of elders. Okay? I believe in a duplicity of elders in the church. Not just one elder. When Kevin was up here, I said, I just want to know, I recognize you as one of the elders of this uh, Grace Fellowship. He said, great. Great. Um, I recognize uh, Michael Smith as an elder. An elder. He's not my elder. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes people use the term elders often in the New Testament used for the older people, those who are older and have more experience under the And so I'm going to invite Edward Henry to be Because we need accountability to each other. I'm going to ask Chris Turner to be an elder of fellowship. He's a valuable member of our fellowship. I consider Walt Stickle to be an elder. Well, he's older than me. He's 70, I think 77, 78, something like that now. So he has a lot of wisdom. Okay? So, anyway, th those are some of the thoughts that are on my mind tonight. Uh, I didn't 
know I was going to be single-handedly left here to to talk by myself, but that's that's okay too. Uh, God is sovereign in all these things. Brings to life certain things uh, when we're by ourselves than when we don't have people with us. And so, I want to read a passage of scripture tonight. Been thinking a lot about this in the tenth chapter of Matthew. I talked about this on this morning's devotional, so bear with me if you've already heard that devotional, if you agree or disagree. Now, uh, everybody wants to try to parse out what is or what is the, the gospel, okay? Anyway, I want to uh, I wanted to start reading through Matthew 10. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphys, and left Lebeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed the twelve. These twelve Jesus forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and in any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here's a real good example of the fact that God uh, has elect Jews right there. But as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you receive, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor strips for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stage. For the workman is worthy of his meat. Now, I had a gentleman tell me that this was preaching, that God does say, preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Dispensationalists want to separate out the kingdom from the bride of Christ. Uh, listen, these people that received them into their houses and received what the apostles were preaching. Uh, were God's elect, and they were blood-bought by Jesus Christ, okay? And I got an email from this fellow, and he said, you know, they were preaching the gospel. So where's the death, burial, and resurrection? <laughs> well, Jesus Christ preached the gospel all the way through the gospel. He even told that he would, he would be offered up. He, he, he said that Christ had sent him in the world to save sinners. Okay, he said he didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Is that what he said? Now it says, um, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. A little glitch there on my computer. I hope it didn't. Yep, it still looks okay. 
nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet spades, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And in the watchman of the city or town you shall enter, inquire who it is worthy, and there abide till you go. And I've heard all kinds of interpretations of that. I've heard people say that's talking about people that are well-to-do that can take care of the people. They're worthy. Okay. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, okay. in other words, if they have assets over $100,000, and if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return you. And whosoever shall not receive you. Here's the crux of it. Whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, notice it goes down to the house, not just the city. It goes down to the house. When you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. <clears throat> I'm not going to read all the way down to the rest of this. The point that I'm trying to make out here is that a lot of people have the attitude that uh, a person has to prove whether they're worthy of hearing the gospel before you teach the gospel, preach the gospel. No, they don't. As long as they're receiving the truth of the gospel, welcoming them into their house, whether it's on social media or whatever, uh, they continue to preach the gospel. Now, if they start into disputation and argumentation and, and raise contempt and so on, then, yeah, shake off the dust of your feet. But as long as someone is in a receptive mode of hearing the truth of the gospel, and by the way, the gospel is more than just the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. Okay? The old Baptists used to have a saying, the golden chain of salvation. They had a golden chain of salvation. What were they referring to? They were referring to the 8th chapter of Romans. And it is it is the goal of chain salvation. Because it starts with what? It starts with foreknowledge. It starts with foreknowledge. And where does it end up? It ends up with our glorification. So from foreknowledge uh, to glorification. You know, I'll just read through that real quick. Because I think this is what we need to be teaching in the context of love, reconciliation, stock. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also make the intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted sheep of the slaughter. They in all these things we are more than conquerors to get the I am persuaded that neither death nor life, church denominations, <laughs> nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, that's, that is tremendous love exhibited by our Heavenly Father from above. That is tremendous love. That is the ultimate <clears throat> reconciling us to God. So, I want to uh, kind of bring this to a conclusion tonight because I don't want to just uh, belabor the point. I want to read a couple things before we conclude this, and then we'll have a final uh, hymn. Um, I've entitled this, Where Sin Abound. Forgetting those things of the past and remembering Christ daily for what he has done. For sin abounded, grace much more abounded for us. What a wonderful thing to think on when we remember our former sins. Grace is much more abounding daily for those who have been born. He has cast all our sins as far as the east is from the west. This will stand up against the devil's accusation. Against us, this will always pass the test. What a wonderful thing to remember that even though Satan is the great accuser of the brethren, grace is more abounding, assuring us a place to get. We have a final selection. Okay, 538. Redeeming love. 538. Mark, uh, one. 
start that voice. Oh, help us, Lord, each hour of me, thy heavenly sucker gift. Help us in God and mercy, each hour on earth we live. Oh, help us when our spirits weep with untried anguish sore. And when our hearts are cold and dead, Oh, help us, Lord, the Lord. Oh, help us through thy perfect, more firmly to be For still the more the servant hath, the more shall he receive. If strangers to thy holy God, in glory at thy feet, the crumbs that from my table fall is all we hear and treat. But be it, Lord, a mercy all, so thou grant but this. The crumbs that from my table fall are light and life and bliss. Oh, help us, Jesus, from on high. We know no help but thee. Oh, help us so to live in life as thine in heaven to be. Well, I'm going to go ahead and close the call out tonight. And thank you, guests four, five, and John, Toronto, for being with us tonight. And we will be having a talk show Monday night. And we're going to be interviewing Edward Henry on his book, 9-11, Enemies, Born and Domestic, very interesting. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight and God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.